All right, well, good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here at Central Avenue Church this evening. Um, I'm Aaron. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, thank you so much for joining us during the busyness of this season and this particular day. Uh, we have about a 45-minute service here, complete with carols, the birth story, the whole, the whole nine yards, a little homily from me at the beginning. But we want to begin uh, with a piece of liturgy from a couple of our, our elders here. We say elders, but they're young, but they're part of the leadership team. Dan and Angie, come on forward. And Dan's got a little liturgy here as we light our final Advent can uh, candle, the center Advent can candle. I keep on wanting to say calendar. All right. <laughs> Throughout Advent, we've lit the candles for hope, peace, joy, and love. Tonight, we light the Christ candle. Let's pray. God takes on flesh and joins life in the struggle. This is what radical solidarity feels like. Lives and souls and bodies entangled. Risks and possibilities shared. We're in this together. The mess, the beauty, the work. Don't be afraid to feel hopeful. God's promises are kept. God won't opt out or turn away. God won't give up when things get tough. God won't defend power or privilege or institutions or tradition at the expense of freedom or love or liberation or your worth. God's withness is birthed at the margins. God knows what's at stake. Let all who are weary rejoice. All of evil's deceptions will be revealed and fear of unjust powers will cease. The liberating one now dwells among us, calling upon hearts from all walks of life to open, to take courage, to soften, to release. Behold, sacred and flesh reveals the way of love. Amen. The traditional theme for Christmas Eve is light. And so, as you just saw, we lit our final Advent candle to represent this. I find it really interesting, though, that the meaning of candlelight in our final Advent candle is actually very similar to the meaning of candlelight found on the menorah. In both cases, the light represents liberation namely God liberating his people from oppression. The lighting of the menorah during Hanukkah commemorates Israel's victory over the Seleucid Empire in the second century BCE. As the story goes, the Seleucids were an occupying force in Israel and had outlawed the practice of Judaism, putting to death anybody they found practicing any Jewish rites or rituals. They also purposely desecrated the temple in Jerusalem by slaughtering pigs on the altar and placing statues of Greek gods like Zeus in the temple sanctuary. And this was done to purposely break the spirit of the Israelites in the hopes of making them controllable subjects. But it backfired. It actually enraged Israel and motivated them to revolt. This became known as the Maccabean Revolt. Perhaps you've heard of it before. And it was a successful revolt. 
as the story goes, when the Jews recaptured Jerusalem and the temple, they cleansed it and rededicated it. And in the process, they found only one jar left of consecrated oil for the temple lamp. They expected the oil to last only a day or so, but miraculously, as the story goes, the oil never ran out. This constantly burning temple lamp is symbolized and commemorated every year in the lighting of the menorah, which resembles the ancient temple lamp itself. The eight candles of the menorah symbolize the eight days that the candle lamp or the, the temple lamp burned without ceasing, we're told. Thus, the menorah light symbolizes God delivering and liberating his people from both religious and political oppression, namely that of the Seleucids. And of course, it's meant to be reminiscent of the Exodus story itself, the ultimate story of God liberating his people from oppression. In the Christian tradition, our Advent candle means something similar. The candlelight, specifically the light for tonight, that center candle, symbolizes Jesus's light and how he was, quote, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. That's from Luke's nativity story. Matthew's gospel says something similar. It says in chapter four, Jesus made his home in Galilee so that what had been spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And those who sat in the region in the shadow of death light has dawned, end quote. But what did this light mean? What did this mean that Jesus was a light of revelation to the Gentiles, meaning the non-Jews? Well, it meant that his message was one of radical inclusion and God's love for everyone, even those who traditionally were seen as outside the community of God, like Samaritans and Gentiles. Jesus's light was the light of God's love for all the so-called outcasts and outsiders, those who had been labeled ritually unclean by religious law. These were now seen in a different light, the light of God's love, God's radical and all-inclusive love. In this way, Jesus's light was a light of liberation from oppressive expressions of religion that excluded and dehumanized people. Jesus preached against such oppression in so many ways. Consider his encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well and how he welcomed her into the kingdom of God, despite the fact that she was not only a Samaritan and not only a woman, but a five-time married Samaritan woman and the man she was living with then, she wasn't even married to. According to religious law, according to the religious law of Jesus's community, he shouldn't have even been talking to her to say nothing of welcoming her into the community of God. Consider also how he was accused of breaking the Sabbath and breaking other religious laws by touching lepers and eating and drinking with sinners. I could go on, but you get the point, hopefully. Jesus did all this and more to challenge oppressive understandings of religion and to liberate people from it. This was the light of his revelation 
in its original context. This is what it means that he was a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now, we need to be very careful here and not infer that Judaism is or was an oppressive religion. It is not. That is an unfortunate and common Christian misunderstanding. Instead, I think we should see Jesus's critique of certain expressions of his religion. And to be clear, there are certain expressions within every religion that deserve critique, Christianity included. Don't get me started. But we should see Jesus's critique of his own religion as part of a much larger and older intra-Jewish dialogue and debate about what faithfulness to God really looked like. Jesus was actually just taking his cues from the Torah and from prophets like Isaiah who wrote, I, the Lord, do not delight in your ritual sacrifices and acts of religious piety, but cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow, end quote. We could go on and look at other passages in the Hebrew Bible that say something similar, but you get the point. There is a long-standing tradition in Judaism of critique, reform, and debate, and Jesus, like any good rabbi, was very much a part of that tradition. He was actually being very Jewish in his message that God desired love and justice rather than strict adherence to religious law or religious traditions. So I want to be very clear, when the text says that Jesus was a light of revelation to the Gentiles, it means that he was a light of liberation from oppressive religious laws, but that in no way should, should be read by us to mean that Christianity is somehow better than Judaism or something. No, that's just another oppressive religious idea that demeans, excludes, and harms, and that is antithetical to the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. So one can be a Jew, a Gentile, a Samaritan, a Christian, a Buddhist, a Muslim, whatever, and be a child of God. As 1 John 4 says, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. This was the light of Christ's revelation, and it was and still is liberating and healing. I'm reminded tonight of the third verse of O Holy Night, which we'll sing in just a few minutes. The lyrics go, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love. Hear that? His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. This song was written in the 19th century by abolitionists who rightly discerned what the liberating message of the gospel really was. It was a message of liberation for all who are oppressed, especially though slaves and people of color. That's why the lyrics say, chain shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. All oppression shall cease. Be it religious oppression, economic oppression, 
racial oppression, oppression against the LGBTQ community, oppression against women, oppression against migrants and refugees, it doesn't matter. In the name of Jesus, all oppression shall cease. This was the liberating light of Christ. This is the liberating light of Christ, symbolized in our candles here tonight. And it stands in unison with the meaning of the candlelight found also in the menorah at this time of year. In both traditions, candlelight symbolizes God liberating his people from man-made systems of oppression that are violent and unjust, which is to say that the light of the menorah and the advent candle also symbolize God calling us, beckoning us, his people, to be liberating lights of love in a dark world. We are called to this emancipatory work. We are called to set the captives free wherever they are found. May we answer this sacred call. Will you join me now in prayer? And this is a special Christmas Eve prayer from the Anglican tradition and found in their Book of Common Prayer. Let's pray now. O oh God, who has caused this holy night to shine with the illumination of the true light, grant us, we beseech thee, that as we have known the mystery of that light, so may we also daily be renewed by thy Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the same Spirit forever, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, as we do each year, um, we'll make our way through the Christmas narrative, uh, reading from um, several different books uh, found in Scripture, uh, as well as singing a number of songs um, that uh, mostly traditional that celebrate the Christmas story. So feel free uh, to enjoy. The, we understand... <laughs> that the kids will run around and make noise and sing along. And this is just a night where that is totally welcome. So um, let, them, let them be kiddos tonight. <clears throat> Disperse the gloomy 
clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight rejoice rejoice amen you shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. His first enrollment occurred when Quirinius was gov governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest room. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look. I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, 
The shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. It came upon a midnight clear That glorious song of old From angels bending near the earth To touch their hearts of gold Peace on the earth, goodwill to from heaven's own gracious King, the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled and still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world above its sad and lonely plains they bend on hovering sounds the blessed angels sing for lo the days are hastening on by prophets seen of old when with the ever circling years shall come the time foretold when that new heaven and earth shall own the prince of peace their king and the whole world send back the song which now the angels sing Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of Israel. Come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. 
come let us adore him Christ the Lord sing choirs of angels sing in exaltation sing all ye citizens of heaven above glory to God glory in the highest oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled. Everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ will bring love's light 
the dawn of Christmas day to lead us all from woe and sin when we have gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. God rest you also, women, who by men have been erased through history ignored and scorned defiled and displaced remember that your stories too are held within god's grace oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy god rest you queer in questioning your anxious hearts be still believe that you are deeply known and part of god's good will for all to live as one in peace the global dream fulfilled oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy god rest your mind oh humankind let strife and conflict cease remember love is active here and only to increase to carry us to wellsprings of god's joyous hope and peace oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy oh, oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nations great. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice, as on the day of Midian you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever.
Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of a dear Savior's Oh, 
when Christ was born. Christ the Savior is born. 
you have a blessed and merry christmas thank you for joining us this evening um, as a reminder to those of you who attend here um, or if you're thinking of doing it no service tomorrow and we want you to enjoy the time with your families and no service on uh, new year's eve we will see you all in the new year merry christmas <laughs>